Hello, and welcome back to Tales from a Cult Insider, the podcast that may never end. Who never? You never know. Things just keep happening. This is not a uh, final epilogue, final episode of the entire uh, podcast. It is epilogue six, reactions from me and others to the Religion News Service article. Now, that's a long title, but really, I just wanted to be clear about what this is. Um, I don't, I'm really not into clickbait, um, and so here we are. Um this is the podcast about me growing up in the Foundation Faith of God, which was a cult that uh, happened to evolve, be the evolution from uh, the process Church of the Final Judgment, which was originally just the process, which splintered off of Scientology. Foundation Faith of God was the vanilla version of it that uh, happened when Marianne, the one side of the of the two of the couple who made the, the, the cult schismed off and went off because she kicked out Robert because he was a jerk, uh, a philandering jerk from what, I, from what I've gathered, um, and created her own little group or kept her own little group. And most of the faithful of the cult stuck with her. And they turned into something called Foundation Faith of the New Millennium, I believe, followed by the Foundation Faith of God. Uh, and then a few years after they um, were just the Foundation Faith of God, they wound up... Uh, buying one ranch and they well they already had one ranch and then they bought another ranch in southern utah and started best friends animal sanctuary um as kind of their main effort uh where all the other branches that were established around the country supported the best friends animal sanctuary financially from all the donations that they would go solicit and acquire and also of course pay for their own costs you know they, i mean members weren't paid for what they were doing it was all voluntary but, you know, people got allowances to be able to have some cash money on hand and do whatever they needed to do. Get personal items, I guess. In any case, that's all. Neither here nor there. This is another epilogue episode. This one's unexpected, too, because I, um, I, I, I didn't realize everything that would happen when this article was published. So let me give you a quick breakdown. Now, the, the episode description already gives you a quick breakdown, but I'll keep it fairly quick, too. So... In January of this year, 2020, I was contacted by Bob Smitana of uh, uh, edit. He was the editor in chief of Religion News Service. He's been in journalism for 20 plus years, from what I can gather. He's a really good dude. We had some good conversations. Um, he had some impressive uh, and incisive questions. Uh, he contacted me, having found this podcast right here uh, from, I guess, a tweet on uh, the Twitters which, hey, I guess it works. Uh, and uh, he reached out to me asking if he could, you know, if I'd be interested in talking to him about more about his experience. He'd, you know, the interesting circumstance was that he'd recently uh, done a piece on, um, I guess, an end of times cult that ended up evolving into uh, a, 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 a an animal rescue organization. Uh, now, I guess the process was technically an end of times cult, but so yeah, and it also evolved into something that was an animal sanctuary. So yeah, that makes sense. You know, it made sense. The parallel was there. He was interested in something like that. So that's cool. Um, I consented, of course, to the interview. I, I thought it'd be interesting. I looked at Religion News Service. Full disclosure, I studied them a little bit for a little while before I fully consented. I read their articles. I uh, got a little concerned about some of the tack that was taken by a large number of the articles. It seemed like very few articles that treated with uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, my church, uh, treated with it very well. I, I, there doesn't, I wasn't seeing a whole lot of um, kind 
uh, I don't pieces or generous pieces towards the church. They have a columnist named Jana Reese who who uh, identifies as a faithful member of the church, but also as a uh, somebody who struggles with some things. Um, she has a book, I guess, called Flunking Sainthood. So I, I've never read it. Um, but we're all flunking sainthood. I, I assume that that's her message. Is that, yeah, we are all flunking, but we're also all succeeding, right? Because we have the grace of God in our lives. Life is about struggle and hardship and difficulty. Those aren't bugs. Those are features, design features of this experience. And um, we are here to learn from our choices and the choices of others that affect our lives. We're here to learn to turn to God. So in any case, I, I've just been unimpressed sometimes. I haven't liked uh, some of those articles uh, that I've seen from her and from some other folks there. They seem to be fairly one-sided or come at it with a with a certain kind of skew, if you know what I mean, kind of a cynical skew. Um, so I, that's fine. So I got a little nervous, but then, you know, Bob was really clear about what he wanted to do. He wanted to talk about my faith journey. Uh, and that's a, what we ended up talking about. We we talked a lot about my childhood and how I went from that cult to out of it, and then how I got um, into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which I've talked about here <laughs> more than a little bit. Uh, it was a good interview. And that w- we ended up having the interview, I think, in March if my timeline's correct, of this year. Yeah. And then tons started happening, including COVID. And then this protracted uh, national election for the president of this country, um, amongst many other things, and all wildfires and, you know, Salt Lake had a giant uh, earthquake. Although I don't know if but Religion News Service covered that. But Religion News Service is rad because it covers all these major events. You know, the, 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 the terrible acts of violence and, and the riots and the protests and the candidates and the campaigning and everything from a religious perspective. It's very cool. Uh, I, I think that that is a really important gap that they're filling. I, I recommend you go see it. I mean, there's no there's no uh, left or right bias as far as I can tell. There are obviously writers who do lean certain ways, but there seems to be a lot more centrism on this website. Uh, so I recommend you go check out their article. They've got some really good work. Man, they're getting they have some great journalists who are really dedicated to the cause of writing good stories. Uh, and finding the faith aspects of um, of the stories that that are a lot of you know important to a lot of us. So, good times there. Um, the article finally came out in October, October 14. After quite a few follow up questions with phone calls and emails, and Bob talking to my dad and my sister. Uh, it, that took a little while. My dad has been very busy with COVID. He's he was on the front lines in, in many ways for a while there, and um, he's recently retired. Congratulations, Dad. You're awesome. But the f- article finally came out. Um, interesting part of that process was that Bob asked me if I could reach out to other members, former members and current you know, employees of Best Friends, like the people I grew up with even, and see if any of them would be interested in talking to him too. Uh, I, he just wanted more details on this thing. And that's a good thing. And that's good journalism, it seems to me. And so I did reach out and everybody declined. Um the grown-ups who had left the, the process years and years and years ago, like four decades ago or more, five decades or almost, uh, just said, no, that not interested. A couple of them expressed some concern that uh, maybe somebody really ought to, you know, share some thoughts and talk to him to make sure that the facts were, were right. Then um, it's fair, you know, because, I mean, articles and other pieces that have come out haven't been entirely correct. Accuracy has been an issue. And, you know, they do also have some issues with this story that came out. So that's fine. I, none of the young people or none of the people I grew up with, none of my peers had any interest in 
uh, participating in any kind of way uh, in this article. So that's fine. But they had their chance. Uh, and I gave everybody their chance and also gave everybody a fair warning. The article dropped October 14. And there were some very interesting um, reactions. First off, some kind of really important ones is that uh, there, there's a factual problem. And I think that my dad was going to reach out to Bob to see if we could get this fixed. But I'm going to fix it right here. Um, just over halfway through the article, I think it is, yeah, um, there's a paragraph that goes like this. Bruce Garrett, my dad, would eventually leave the sect in the early 1990s. He actually, he actually probably left in 1989 after marrying someone outside the group. Um, now he's a nurse manager at several clinics in Salt Lake City, having gone to nursing school in his forties. Yeah, it's true. So, uh, he's, he's a nurse manager at, at UG, he was, and among many other things at the university of Utah, but in any case, um, no, he didn't marry someone outside the group. Susan was a member of the group. She had been for some time and they left together with their daughter, my sister. Uh, so I'm not sure how Bob got that wrong, but I hope that, I hope that he'll fix that. Uh, my dad did say he'd reach out to him. A couple of other things that my dad, I think was going to reach out that I, I think that it'd be good to, to do, be a little clearer of some kind uh, or in some way uh, is that, um, let's see here. Uh, they're, they're called, I don't know if I can find specific ones, but I'll try to find some specific, specific, specific that's funny, specific pieces about this, um, is that this article does make it sound like the process was a Satanist cult. Uh which is an interesting thing. And the headline is called Reluctant Cultist Survives an End Times Cult Turned Pet Rescue Group to Find His Own Faith. And that's fairly accurate. Accurate, And then the, the subheadline or the lead or whatever, the journey of a cult orphan from an apocalyptic sect and so on. You know, that was true. It really was an end times cult or apocalyptic sect in some ways. Um, fascinating stuff there. Uh, as I look for this other piece, I want to mention, if you go to the article, which I link to in the description of this episode, there's a picture of um, four people that you can make out pretty well. The central one, the most central one is this uh, woman with her, it looks like they're singing, and they're uh, out of focus and closer to the camera is a goblet, <laughs> a shiny goblet, uh, the Holy Grail, and a couple of candles. But the woman is my mother. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, the woman right in front of the gong um, is my mom. She probably went by Seraphine at the time. Um, and to her right, I don't know that person. To her left is a man named Anthony. He's a good, fun feller. Always, always a lot of fun. Uh, quirky and eccentric and, uh, sincere. Uh, never had a bad experience with him. He, he took, when we were shipped out, and I should have mentioned this on one of those episodes, when we were shipped out to, um, to best friends to do those, you know, those, those two months of hard work, uh, heavy labor, you could say, um, we, uh, he would off, he would take the older ones on what he called murder hikes basically an all day hike, uh, pretty intense. And it was awesome. Um, from what I hear, I never got to go on one because everything kind of fell apart before I was old enough to be a part of that. Apparently. Um, that's too bad. I did end up going on a hike that was not a murder hike, but a good hike with him with a couple of other peers, uh, a year or so after things kind of fell apart for them. And to his left, the woman who's only half, just over halfway there, that's faith. She's the leader of the dog area. She's one of the original founders, as far as I know. Um, she's um, quite an eccentric and fun human. In any case, that's fun. Um, uh, there are a couple of parts of this that make it sound like it was a full-on Satanist organization. So founded by, yeah, down in like the fifth paragraph or so, sixth, 
Anyway, as it happens, the small nomadic apocalyptic... Da, 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 founded by ex-Scientologists turned Satanists, the Foundation Faith of God and its members awaited the end of the world, when it, but when it didn't come, the group decided to rescue animals instead. Now, that is technically basically accurate, but there's some nuance there that's, that, that's not... There should be some more nuance there. Yes, the small nomadic apocalyptic sect did give up its original mission. They schismed in 74, the year I was born. And um, they were ex-Scientologists, but they didn't turn into Satanists so much in, in as much as what we would understand as Satanists. Um, a Satanist for us today has a very negative connotation uh, of the evil side, of the, you know, the wicked side, the the temptating, the tempting, temptating, temptatinator. Uh, if you're Phineas and Ferb, you should understand that one. Um, the the tempter, the evil one, the adversary to God, uh, the guy who makes all the bad things happen or whatever, right? Um, but that's not what they were, right? They saw Satan and Lucifer and Jehovah and Jesus as all not good or bad beings, but beings that represented, or deity type beings that represented different aspects of the human condition. So there was no evil, um, associated with Satan or Lucifer. They were just all, you know, neutral in a way, no, not good or bad, uh, aspects, essentially, or features of the human condition or representatives of the human condition. So that emotional weight, that religious emotional weight that comes with the term Satanist, it, it's really not a good one for this. It's not an accurate one because they weren't Satanists in that way. Uh, they did have a doctrine that included Satan as part of it, but not the evil version that uh, anti-Christians would say, if you know what I mean, right? Um, it just they, So that's an important thing that I wouldn't mind if that were adjusted and fixed there. Uh, and of course, founded by ex-Scientologists turned Satanists, they really weren't. They were just turned cultists. Uh, they act, The Foundation Faith of God and its members awaited the end of the world. But at the time that they were actually awaiting the end of the world, they were still the process church of the new millennium. Uh, or the final judgment, excuse me, of the final judgment. And so um, when the new the, the the end of the world didn't come for the process church of the final judgment, you know, something else happened. Sure, they were down in Stool, Mexico when that didn't happen. And then they turned into, when I was, after the schism, they turned into um, an organization that began to rescue animals in a more formal way. So, you know, Bob had to compress a lot and he did a really good job here. So there's technical accuracy there, but there's nuance that's not included. So I uh, hope that's my attempt to correct some of that. Um, and then um, I wanted to share some uh, some other things as well about my reaction, uh, as well as reaction of uh, one of the young guys, the guys I grew up with. Um, and I'm just going to quote him. And also I wanted to share, um, what else? Oh yeah. And I also just want to share my own reaction and what, what I found out about the kind of differing experience that we each had, even though we were having a very shared experience and just a little bit of how interesting it is to hear my own words back reported on by a very accomplished journalist who did a very good job here. And we'll do that as soon as we come back after this quick word from a lovely, lovely sponsor. Okay, guys, thanks for listening to the, uh, you know, sponsor. I appreciate uh, them very much. Uh, also do what you got to do to change the world for, to be a better place, my friends. Um, any, no effort is wasted here. So, uh, let's get to the juicy stuff. So I, I shared on Facebook, um, this article and I was very hesitant to, to be totally honest. I, 
you know, I, I've had some interactions with some of the guys I grew up with and, and I, and I love them. Uh, we have a shared experience that I will never, um, I will, I will never forget. And that has built in me a love for them and a respect for them and a desire to be, to associate with them as much as I can, or in as much as we're able. Um, I'd love to have a reunion with all these folks. However, a couple of times I've had some really bizarre things come from a couple of guys who are twins. Um, I'm, I'm happy to name them because Facebook's a public site and you can go to my web, my, my page and you'll see it. Uh, Ace is a good dude. He's got a neat family, a uh, sweet couple of kids, as far as I can tell from my brief Facebook stalking. Um, spoiler, I ended up blocking him because I, I'm not interested in stuff, uh, you know, as it were. In any case, so uh, let's go to his, co his comment on the post. Um, he says, the process cult ended the year Jared was born. Fact. And, you know, as I said, that wasn't as clear as it could have been in the article. And then he says, talk about latching onto salaciousness, BS, accepting the reality of being in a boarding school in Dallas, Texas. Um, I think he wrote accepting as if I'm accepting, you know, my lot in life. But I think he meant accepting as in leaving out. Um, latch onto salaciousness, BS. Ex I think what he's trying to say is accept that this was just a boarding school in Dallas. Uh, which we talk about in a second. Uh, and he says about me, this guy became a Mormon because our quote unquote cult was one of the first groups to talk about negative male sexuality. He hated being a bottom and wanted to be a top again. I don't know what the frick that's about. I, I, I really don't. Um, well, number one, it wasn't a boarding school, but again, I, I, I that's what I'm saying. It wasn't a boarding school. There were elements that you could look at and say, no, that looks like a boarding school. It wasn't, but okay. Uh, and then he's got a quote unquote cult. No, that was, <laughs> it's a cult. Um, I have a lot to say about this, but I want to say it after I've shared some other input from some other folks. Um, and it says he, be he became a Mormon because our cult was one of the First groups to talk about negative male sexuality. Frankly, I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what he's referring to. Uh, negative male. I don't know what negative male sexuality means, period. And then he hated being a bottom and wanted to be a top again. Once again, I literally have no clue. And it sounds like I'm protesting it too much, but I don't know what that means. He hated being a bottom and wanted to be a top again. It sounds like he's saying that I hated being one of the little guys. Uh, or something and wanted to be one of the big guys again. I don't understand. Maybe he thought I joined, maybe he's implying I joined the Mormons, uh, so I could be prestigious, which is <laughs> not why I joined the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Anyway, um, it was a cult. Number one, it wasn't a boarding school. Number two, I don't remember talk about negative male sexuality, but that's wouldn't have been why I joined the church, uh, again, Mormon church or LDS church. And I don't have any idea what he means by the bottom one, really. So here's my response real quick. So, you know, Ace, I'm happy to have you comment on things here for the most part due to our shared experience, but that has its limits. Note that I didn't write this article. Also, be careful. I'm not sure what it is about me having a great big family and being happily Christian bothers you so much. And then, you know, I'm like, you know, what? I came back uh, same day. I do feel like it's only right to point out that this was not a boarding school situation. This was a cult that demanded children be separated from parents and raised by the cult in general. That's a fact confirmed by everyone who doesn't hide from the truth. Why you would call it a boarding school, I don't understand. What a strange narrative. And we're going to get back to that. And then I, of course, make the caveat, because this is what I do. That said, there are around 30 of us folks who grew up in this. 
we all had different experiences. Some were essentially raised by their actual parents. Some had their true parentage kept from them for reasons I don't understand. Some were physically abused and worse. Furthermore, you have no understanding of why I chose the faith and spiritual path I've chosen, the fact that you have continuously assumed and presumed and insulted here on my page and on my posts is reflective of some kind of disquiet in yourself. As, as the kids today might say, that is a you problem. Back off and lay off and consider some introspection. Um, and then a friend of mine named Mark said that he said a nice thing. Anyway, Emma jumped in because she's great. And she said, hi, I'm one of those kids that wasn't a part of their family for a while. Remember when I lived in a different state than my parents for about three years from the ages of two to five? Pretty sure that wasn't a boarding school. She's right. Being locked in a shed for a whole day doesn't resonate as being schooled at all. And then I forgot I had parents and I was born 11 years after Jared. So that BS was still definitely happening. Um, he, she mentions that the article is not as factual as it needs to be. Um, she also says, don't be douches or D's to each other. Um, and then I told her I love her. Uh, Asa jumped in. Well, who locked you in a shed all day? And then Asa wrote, you didn't go to faith school. Faith school. There we go. Um, and then Emma's like, well, this is what happened. Um, so, um, and then he asked, he, this was a, a various aggressive thing for him to say. Um, and then Asa said, the head of the faith school was a mean, heartless woman who upset us all, but one woman does not a whole group make. No, but one woman was produced by the group. And I wrote, Asa, very true, and your experience was not my experience. And Matea jumped in. She's a great lady. Asa, the process ended the year he was born. That, that she, had, she added some good um, uh, factual things. Situation wasn't a boarding school. R woman who ran it was hor horrific. And here's Asa with his final comment before I got rid of him. Um, and so let's see. Here we go. I'm just sick of the haters who define their whole life by their childhood. Okay. I met many people in the Marines with childhoods that made ours seem quite rosy. Great. I've met many ex-Mormon women who vilify and cry bloody murder about their childhood in the church. FYI, just because you feel something doesn't make you right. Talk to ISIS members about their feelings. Um, and then I just responded, Hey, so you're making a lot of assumptions. If this is all you're going to do here, I'm not interested. And then I went ahead and, and blocked him from Facebook. I, I, I don't have any interest in that. It just seems like he's really wanting to be negative. But the point of this is that, as you know, I'm not defining my whole life by my childhood. But I do understand that my childhood affects my whole life and that the choices I make are informed and will never not be informed by my childhood and then what came after my childhood and then what's came up last week and two years ago and whenever, you know, my uh, assumptions about or my expectations of what I want my future to be. My life is defined by that. My life is defined not by what was what was done to me, but by how I've reacted to, other, to, to what happened to me and the way I grew up uh, and in some cases the abuse that I underwent. Um, so anyway. That was an interesting reaction, uh, and I was somewhat taken aback, but not too surprised because it was Asa, and um, well, he's um, he's been a little that way, unfortunately, uh, on the Facebooks. So I went to a group where I share with some of these these young people, these people I grew up with. I asked quick question, Colin, because I was curious: am, am I imagining things? Am I making things up? I don't. I don't think I am. From what I've described, people are like, that wasn't a boarding school. And Matea, dear friend, kind of original, one of the early members, said, that's not a boarding school. And I don't think my dad would characterize it as a boarding school. But I said, quick question, guys. Would you characterize faith school as a boarding school? One of the people who responded, the first person who responded, has stayed with the group for their whole life. Um, and um, they responded, private boarding school? Yeah, probably. And then I said, to me, boarding school is when you have a family. Um, 
You live with them, then you go live at a school, but eventually, or at holidays, you go back home to your family, like Hogwarts. Faith School wasn't like that. And this person said, yeah, well, we saw our family sometimes. Not everything fits into a neat box, I've learned. We were fed, had a place to sleep, and educated. Sounds like a boarding school to me. And I say, yeah, that's true. We didn't go hungry. But again, the boarding school thing assumes we have a family and home elsewhere. And while we had biological parents, we weren't being raised by them or returning to the home they kept during school breaks. We lived in Dallas with all the other kids year-round. That was life. We would drive out to Angel Canyon every summer for a few years there where we would help do the work. But that was not going home to family or anything like that and no further response. So um, it wasn't a boarding school. But it's interesting that that's another person who has created a different narrative about life. This is also a person who had a pretty strong relationship with their parents um, growing up. They were often in the same branch until faith school showed up. And then there does seem to have been a relationship for, for many, many years. And this is also a person who stayed with the group for a long time and has worked, has made their career in this group. And there's certainly narrative adjustment that happens in the brain, either, you know, willfully or um, just kind of involuntarily that happens uh, as things, as you have conversations with your parents, both of their parent, this person's parents are still in the group and they work with them. You know, one in a couple of like just directly with them in, in some cases. So that's interesting that the narration, the narrative is is that way in this person's head. But then another person who actually didn't stay in the organization and got out and joined another faith said, I hadn't thought of it that way. But yeah. Um, and I was like, that's concerning. So I said, to be clear, I don't agree. As we see in Chronicles of Narnia and other evidence of boarding school, the foundation was not that. There are aspects that are similar, but we grew up in a cult commune. And then my good friend, who I shared a home with, shared a part with soon after I left the, the cult and graduated from high school, said, yes, I'm just kind of shocked at that. He should know better. It's interesting what, what's happening in people's heads where they come to this idea that, yeah, that was a boarding school. It wasn't a boarding school. Then another friend who left, who had a terrible time growing up in the group, uh, I thought really bad, the worst almost had this to say, and this person has lived in the UK for, oh gosh, it's got to be coming on 20 years. So they are familiar with boarding schools. So, so they say, yes, I think of Dallas as a boarding school because in our case, I do remember me. And then she mentions her siblings, one of which who's responded here, going to see uh, their parents during Christmas, Easter and summer holidays for the most part. I, I didn't have that experience. That's so interesting. I did have a Christmas one time with my mother and father and brothers as we were as we all drove out to California. This I was eight, maybe seven, actually. So then they, this person says, it's interesting how we all have so many similar and shared experiences of growing up in the foundation and some very different. The level of parental involvement varied greatly between us kids for sure. Some of us got lucky and scored at least one somewhat loving involved parent. Yeah, this person is correct. And then this person says, and saying that I was there for much less time than most of you, having been expelled to Angel Canyon at the tender age of 12.5 years, which she was. That's uh, a sad story. And then another good friend uh, who I've spent some time with after, uh, not nearly enough time. I think that this person is delightful. And I've talked about this person in my, in the, in the podcast says, yeah, I guess for simplicity's sake. Um, and for simplicity's sake, yeah, it sounds like a boarding school. That's because, you know, if we want to be simple about it, we can call it a boarding school. Um, but that's not the accurate one. This wasn't a boarding school. And I understand when we want to create new narratives for certain reasons, for simplicity's sake in our own head or for comfort's sake in our own head. Um, but the, the, 
fundamental truth is that this wasn't a boarding school. It was a cult commune, right? Uh, straight up, it was a cult commune. And, and, and it's, I'm not worried about these siblings or these pseudo siblings of mine. Um, I'm not worried about them. They're, they're making their own happiness. They're making their own approach to life and they're seeing their past through through their own lenses and they're finding their happiness. I just, I, I feel like I'm looking at it accurately that what I've described to you through this thing has been as accurate as I can tell. Um, and it's, this wasn't a boarding school. This was a cult. Kids were separated from their parents because they weren't to be raised by their parents because that was what Scientology preached. That's what Marianne and Robert demanded of the cult. And that continued throughout, even after they were no longer involved. Robert having schismed off, Marianne having kind of gone incognito and being kind of more of a puppet master with Gabriel at the, at the more visible lead. That was just simply the practice of this cult slash commune. Cult and commune. Commune cult. I don't know. It was a communi- communal, communally living cult. And then they created their own school. And yes, we all went there. But we weren't, we didn't go there from homes managed by our parents. We went there from the other branch of the cult that we were living in. And in my case, I moved from Denver, at which neither of my parents lived. I just happened to live there for a year and a half, almost two years, and was living there actually with some young men my age. Uh, one of which had both his parents running that Denver branch and the other of which having his mother there the whole time and his father there it seems like half the time almost and then but we all went and wound up in the Dallas branch um so you know <laughs> it wasn't a boarding school I understand why people would want to simplify that for the sake of telling stories you know maybe at a banquet or like I've talked about in situations but the truth of the matter is that we were growing up in a cult uh, many of us were separated from our parents uh, at a very young age in order to be compliant with the demands of the leaders of the cult. And many of us didn't have um, parents involved. I have also pointed out that my father did his best in as much as he could with the absurd restrictions of the cult. And I did see him. Um, he, we did. We were in Denver at the same time for, I think it was a few months, long enough to be I don't think he was with us uh, when we moved to the country of Arvada, you know, the, the, the kind of suburb area. When we were in downtown Denver on St. Paul, he lived there uh, for a little while. He came and joined, I think it was, over. He joined me there, uh, joined the branch there for a little while because I remember him buying me a bike for my birthday. Uh, used old crappy bike, but it worked great. Uh, he taught me how to change a tire and to repair a tire. Um, and I've used that skill whew, literally hundreds of times because my dad showed me and he helped me learn to ride that bike. Um so yeah, I had that great involvement in as much as he was able, and I know it made a difference in my life. Thank you, Dad. That was powerful of you and brave and courageous and strong of you. Um, my mother didn't make that effort. I spoke to her twice a year, and I saw her some summers for a little while, but no Christmas, no Easter trips, none of that stuff, except for the one I just mentioned, going out to California to visit with my grandma and grandpa. Don't know why we did that, uh, but it was rad. Um, and then I went out another time to grandma in the summer um with a couple folks i think my mother and matthias actually uh, and i i wound up staying i was left there for a couple of extra weeks which was amazing i felt like i got a taste of what teenage life is it was really cool i got to hang out with my cousin seth uh chilled with my my cousin darcy a little bit um got to hear seth play the drums he was good at the drums they played played black 
back in black in his in his room. Um, Seth, I don't know if you listen to this, but you're rad. You're a good dude. Uh, I like I love that you're out there uh, trying to make the world a better place and sending out good vibes and um, teaching everybody you can about is the truth that you find. Good dude. Anyway, um, it's called. It's a cult. It's a cult. All right. Okay. Enough of that. Um, I I just it was it's weird to hear that stuff. Okay. So um, so the article is focused on my journey and and kind of switching fates and and it's a part of a series, um, that um that you'll that that they're going to do some more. They've done some more before. Uh, I want to point out if you can follow the link in the description. But if you just want to go to religion news and you want to find it from there, there's a kind of um left and right scrolling bar. Uh, called, let's see here. No, I don't want your little pop-up religion news service. I just think you're rad. Uh, you can go there uh, to the rain site, religionnews.com. You scroll down just a, just a hair, just past the fold, and it's got this heading, Faiths. Uh, click on Alternative Faiths. And th- for now, this article is, uh, it's in there, second or third in there. A reluctant cultist survived an end times cult turned pet rescue group to find his own faith. And it's true. I didn't just survive it, though. I, you know, I got out of it and got very lucky. Uh, as well as my um, my plan. Okay, so um, I want to read a couple of things that he said. Uh, he shared a really couple of really interesting um, religion uh, memories of my own. He shared to me getting baptized in a kiddie pool thing. Uh, and this is my description of it uh, from the interview. As far as I could tell, it was Scientology thrown in the mixer with some paganism and some end times Christianity. And that that's pretty heckin'. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's just pretty heckin' accurate. Um, he described them. He's got some really neat images here. He talks, he said, you know, talks about them settling in different branches. He's got a lot of quotes from essays and writings from DeGrimston and several others from a book called Love, Sex, Fear, Death by Tim Wiley, who passed not too long ago. He talks about my dad's joining, uh, the, the process. Um, and, um, he talked about some interesting things. Um, so, Here's a paragraph about that. When he first joined, Bruce Garrett said, men and women lived separately and were expected to be celibate. Since most were in their early 20s, that didn't work out. When children were born, parents weren't allowed to raise them as families were seen as obsolete. Sect leaders believed breaking families up was the ethical thing to do. Garrett said he followed their teaching, which he now regrets. Um, I didn't really follow. Oh, that's my dad, though. Bruce Garrett did that, which he regrets. But he can, I forgive him. I forgave him a long time ago. I love him. Um, and he was doing his best and I am happy with who I am. He's done good stuff. Anyway, um, it wasn't a, <laughs> it wasn't a boarding school. Okay. Uh, Jan Palumbo, a longtime associate of the process told filmmaker Neil Edwards in sympathy for the devil, which is a documentary, which I talked about that the group's approach to parenting always puzzled her quote. They treated the dogs very well. They did not treat the children. Well, truth. Um, and then I've got this quote from me. Um, for the most part, they were treated as inconvenient, especially by the group's leaders, the kids. And then he has a quote for me. Quote, I have been overlooked by these people all my life. I almost felt like I was the enemy. That's as accurate as I can get. Um, looking back, uh, trying to get into my, my own heads, my own head, good stuff. Um, and then Zeller, some guy, uh, let's see here, some, some cultist type guy named Zeller said, you want to save the world? He said, great, don't have kids. That's utter crap, which I tried to uh, refute at the end of this article, which is great. Um Let's see here. Uh, a couple more quick things. It talks about, it's got a quote from the public relations director of Best Friends Animal Society. He said the group is focused on the future, not the past. 
The article says he had no comment about Jared Garrett's podcast and the claims that the ch children in the groups were mistreated. And his, this is his quote. Any previous affiliations from some of the founders have no bearing on the organization today and is really irrelevant to the work we're doing around the country to help save dogs and cats in shelters simply because they don't have a safe place to call home, which was said in an email. I agree. I agree. It's all over. Um, and there was no chance that any of those founders would go on record, which is fine. I have no animosity or bitterness there. Um, yeah, and they're doing great work around the country to help save dogs and cats. Sounds like sometimes there are some practices that people aren't, don't like. Sounds like there are some unintended consequences uh, of the no-kill uh, orders that a lot of people, um, that, that a lot of these cities have adopted. And you, you can't get perfection in this life, but you can sure do your best to make, to make a good difference and they're trying hard. And so are many, many others. Um, and I want, I love this quote from my dad. Um, he, Bob says, since leaving the sect, Bruce has worked hard to heal the past rift with his son. Quote, it's a work in progress. He said, quote, family is now my priority. That's the truth. Dad is great. I love him. He's a good man. Okay. So then it just, um, it just talks, it gives some, some kind of breakdown of the steps of what happened, how I got out, how the cult kind of diminished and stuff like that. Um, and, um, I just, he quotes me, which is, this is another really good one. He's really good at getting my quotes. I won't question her love for me. I apparently I said, I will question her choices and I do. I know she loved me in her way. Uh, that's all I got though. Uh, when I left, I was sure of one thing. I was done with religion. Um, uh, he's very accurate. Um, I agreed to study with some missionaries, which is fairly accurate. And this quote is right on. I didn't really care for any of it. It was all kind of boring. It was religion and I didn't want religion. Um, he, he shares a really good experience I had. He shares about my book beyond the cabin and my podcast. Um, and you know, I do say nice things. So, uh, and then he, he quoted an episode from this podcast, but then, um, I have a refutal. So I, you know how I shared my or rebuttal or refutal. Um, you know how I shared my reaction to the documentary, uh, and was just not livid, but was passionate about what Tim Wiley said about, you know, have, don't have a normal family and don't have a normal life with just having a family and a career. That's, you know how I said that was bogus, right? Uh, it's just bogus. And Bob being the wonderful editor that he is and writer that he is knew that this would have a good impact as a, as a final piece. So he quoted me, um, so he first says, meanwhile, in small, steady ways, he, me, believes he is making the world a better place by paying attention to the things that the sect ignored in its rush to change society. Quote, he quotes me, I am changing the world because I have an amazing family and amazing kids and I have changed my own life for the better. And that is how you change the world, my friends. Uh, it's really interesting to see my words put back. Uh, I don't regret them. I think that it is accurate and I'm glad. I think they really do represent... The true, um, the truth, the core of my feelings and stuff like that. It's rad. Um, and um, that's all I have to say about that. Thanks for tuning in. Um, it's been very interesting to be a, to be in, involved in this article. Uh, I thought it might boost my podcast. It might have a little bit. Uh, it hasn't it resulted in like anybody calling and knocking on my door for you know, more interviews or anything like that. Um, but it's it was good to do and it was fun to do. Uh, and I, uh, I hope it didn't cause problems. I hope it did, you, you know, help people understand that you can change. You can seek faith at any time in life. You can seek family. You can, uh, seek 
to um, you can update your priorities at any time in life and, and decide what you want to be and who you want to be and become that period. If that's truly what's in your soul, uh, it's good times. So um, I want to tell you that you can change your life. Uh, get religious for a minute. You are never farther than God's reach ever. You are always within reach of your God, your father in heaven. Um, and you are always able to turn your life around. Mistakes aren't there to give you punishment or to make you miserable. They are there to show you where you can do better. Um, repentance isn't punishment. It isn't penance. It is beautiful, opportunistic improvement where we turn to God and Jesus Christ and have the atonement that Jesus Christ did for us work for us. And that was my religions, religious devotional for you. I am delighted by this podcast. It's been a lot of fun. And I think I've really only got one more episode um, where I just share some final thoughts about uh, life uh, now um, and stuff. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you have a great evening. Uh, until next time, remember to review, share, uh, support, and remember, hug your family, hug your friends, even in COVID times, at least hug your family. <laughs>